0: Welcome to Food Navigator USA's Soup to Nuts podcast with Elizabeth Crawford, where I dish with trendsetters, tastemakers, and industry experts about everything from emerging trends to regulatory pressures to marketing strategies. U.S. consumers are snacking more than ever according to IRI data, but an analyst for the market research firm warns that CPG companies shouldn't take this upward trend for granted because while many shoppers reach for packaged products to satisfy their growing habit, competition also is heating up from the quick and limited-service restaurants. According to IRI's Sally Lyons Wyatt, snacking continues to be one of the biggest trends shaping the food and beverage industry, with most Americans reaching for something small to munch on about three times a day on average. And while that sounds like a lot, It's nothing compared to the 14.2% of Americans who eat five or more snacks a day. That's a whopping two points up from last year, which Wyatt accurately characterizes as crazy. I mean, that's a lot of snacks. And it's a big business opportunity for savvy manufacturers, retailers, and as it turns out, restaurateurs. But what's behind this upward trend and where are consumers finding time to eat so many snacks? For about the past five to
1: six years, we've seen eating changes throughout the U.S., and our on-the-go lifestyles are one of the drivers. But nutritionists have also played a role. They have really have been informing the consumers of the U.S. that, hey, eating three meals a day and maybe a couple of snacks is not exactly the best for your metabolism. So eating smaller meals or mini meals, and there's new names for these meals, <laughs> eating those smaller um portions throughout the day is better. For instance, we've seen this more early morning snacking, just to give you an idea, and that's around 5 to 7 a.m. Um, that we've seen an uptick. And what's interesting about that is I am one of those people because before I go work out, I'll eat a banana. And so that's not a meal. That's a snack, but it counts as that early morning snack. So... Um, And then you have some new names. So instead of lunch and dinner, there's Linner. And instead of, you know, brunch and dinner, there's Brinner. I mean, so there's just some new lingo out there that especially the millennials have put out too. Um, And there's been some commercials as a matter of fact in the last year that's kind of leveraged that new lingo.
0: As consumer demand grows, more venues are stepping in to meet their need, creating increased competition for traditional retailers but also more opportunities for manufacturers. There's many places that
1: consumers can go to meet their snack and treating needs. So I've seen a lot of specialty stores pop up around the U S these candy stores that have, you know, sweets and, and, um, snacks there's, that's really fun and engaging. We've seen vending evolving. I, I mean, I, Actually live in Dallas, Texas, and you can get a cupcake from a vending machine um quick serve and limited serve. you can go to like um a dairy Queen and get a blizzard with your favorite candy right so there's just this blurb that's kind of um, and availability that's really driving the ability to buy snacks almost anywhere. Think about your home depot um any of the home improvement stores they have a snack section um movies so. From a broad perspective, consumers can really
0: get their snacks almost anywhere. Increasingly, this also includes a quick or limited service retailers and restaurants, which could be considered a threat to CPG manufacturers, but also an opportunity. And The uptick going to quick
1: some limited serve is there because of the availability. Um, I actually got out of my car the other day on a trip and saw a Zoe's kitchen have a billboard out front that said um, snack boxes and I look and they looked like the ones sold at retail where they have the four different compartments and for them they had their pita chips and the hummus and a couple other things but the point being is variety snacks are big and you can get them almost anywhere. I, I do think that there is definitely um, some momentum in their favor uh, from Technomics found out that if you look at their um, quick server limited to serve their restaurants they're both had growth in 2016 of, of almost four percent so that's That's quite substantial when you think about kind of the slow growth within the U.S. But what was also telling is I do a snacking survey, and in that snacking survey I found the following that was kind of an aha for me. Um, 42% of consumers go to quick serve and limited serve one to two times per week, and that's up three points. That's that's a lot, 42%. But here was the one where I was like, whoa, 11% of consumers go three plus times per week, and that's up four points. So, Quick and Limited Serve are definitely in that consideration set for, for treating and snacking, hands down. Um, are they a threat? I think. I think if you're in retail, no matter what channel you're in, all I think all of the different venues are a threat. But then you just have to carve out where you want to play.
0: Well, those numbers are all for food and beverage, not just snacks. Wyatt says it's safe to assume that a portion of that business is going to Snacks, as many of these locations are offering more mini-meals and snack-type options on their menus. Another emerging outlet for Snack Sales is e-commerce, which Wyatt says may be small now, but won't stay that way for long.
1: E-commerce is legit. There are more and more consumers leveraging e-commerce, more and more retailers engaging in e-commerce. And although the sales for snacking are small, on average probably 2% of sales are online, um, except for maybe bars where it's 7%. There is – it is – totally ready for the highway of growth um, between now and 2020 so we're estimating the tipping point is coming and when that tipping point
0: comes you're going to go from two to ten percent extremely fast Wyatt says consumers are drawn to e-commerce for snacks in part because it's easy to set up renewal subscriptions that send snacks to their doorsteps on a regular basis so they never run out as for what consumers are snacking on Wyatt says the fastest growing categories year over year reflects the larger trends of fresh, healthy, and transparent. But at the same time, indulgent snacks are holding their own. One that pops right to the top is smoothies. So the
1: shelf-stable juice and drink smoothies. Smoothies have proven to be, whether they're refrigerated, shelf-stable, you buy them in a specialty store, they've started to be one of those go-to snacks because, they, because it is on the go. And it can put it can ingre- the ingredients can be fruits and vegetables to really help you get to that nutritional count that you're looking for. Um, the other one that comes right behind that that's had growth for the last five years is refrigerated appetizers and snack roll category. But within that, it's sushi. So again, sushi being portable, packed with protein, um, fresh. It's also transparent, you know what's in there, so it's proven to be um, a top seller. For those snack-sized produce, so whether it's the variety pack where you can get the apple and the dip, or you can get a variety of um, cauliflower, broccoli, carrot, and a dip, you know, or just a good old package of um, cut apples. Those snack-sized produce items of, of just in mass have also seen great growth, but So I've talked a little bit about the healthier ones, but the other ones that jump up there that are not necessarily um, on the healthy scale would be snack snack cakes and donuts on the refrigerated side. They had large growth. Um, As well as refrigerated dips, chocolate-covered salted snacks, um, they had some great growth.
0: Looking at snacks through a slightly different lens of raw growth, not just the percentage change, reveals a very different answer to the question of what consumers are snacking on. When you look at percent change, you are overlooking some of
1: those big categories because big categories can't have double-digit growth on a regular basis just because of their shop size. So if you look at just good old-fashioned raw growth, Salty Snacks had a big year, a lot of that driven by Frito-Lay's innovation. But Ice Cream sherbet had a huge year um, as well. Um, And then cookies, um, um, non-chocolate
0: candy, chocolate candy, so a lot of these treating and snacking categories. While these results may appear conflicting at first glance, Wyatt says they make sense together considering most consumers are looking for balance in their diet. She said consumers want nutritious options, but they also don't want to give up that occasional treat as a reward. And drilling beyond these large category trends, Wyatt says that product attributes also play a pivotal role in what snackers are buying. Attribute roles have evolved and their importance have escalated. Um, it's
1: more about an attribute versus a need. So what do I mean by that? For instance, Greek yogurt, it delivers on high-protein probiotics, calcium, and b 12 um, one example would have been Chobani. They capitalized um, on this as they defined themselves as the, the the high protein brand, ultimately achieving 2010 new product case setters um, with within their second year out. By bringing a new attribute like high protein to a category where it didn't exist, it delivered on an emerging consumer need. And so now you've seen Chibani not only expand their portfolio but you see them having, Um, standalone uh, shops in New York, and as a result of their actions and many others, protein has evolved to be a significant driver of purchase for many consumers, bringing strong growth across the market and across the categories. Um, You see the same thing similar as gluten-free. It's definitely a need for many consumers, but the difference is protein is kind of like a mass need, almost Everyone needs protein, where gluten-free is going to be more for a targeted group of consumers, either those that are have celiac disease or are watching and wanting to minimize their gluten intake. Um, and then for some, they just like it because it tastes good, right? So there are some different, um, there are indeed different ways in which attributes are growing. I just mentioned a couple um, but we also partnered with SPINS in putting together um, this year's Smacking Thought Leadership. And when we then started to look at what's going on in the natural channel, you started to see more, um, more benefits from these attributes for things like um, whether it was probiotic-enhanced. So there's probiotic-enhanced nut smoothies now, probiotic-enhanced tortilla chips. Um, When you look at the claims, um, some of those attributes, if you will, so non-GMO verified, um, verified kosher. Uh, We've also started to see things like um, whether it's... uh, need-based attributes, so there's actually a fudge bar or an ice pop out there that's claiming to be a detox, right? (laughs) um, And then uh, sustainability-positioned products, whether it's locally grown, their packaging, or even their um, ingredients. So it's definitely um, attributes are playing a different role than in the past because it's more around not just What's in the product, but what is it going to do for me, and does it meet a need I have?
0: Flavor also is a big influencer in consumer snack selection, and why it says that global flavors are all the rage. Latin American um,
1: flavors. So, for instance, avocado-flavored snacks were up 33.5%. Plantain chips were up 17%. Guava-flavored Snacks were up 31%, and there were many other. Those just a few examples. Then I saw some Asian-focused um, flavors. So whether it's cardamom, which was up 31%, piquant marsala up 53%, um, matcha up 50, and some. Those are just a few of the ones I saw. And then yeah, American flavored, so, uh, rhubarb flavored was up 50%, and watermelon snacks up 36, and huckleberry up six. So. Just really cool flavor profiles that came out in 2016 that I thought were fun.
0: Because snacks are all about eating on the go or sharing and portion control, how they're packaged also influences shoppers' purchasing decisions. In this regard, Wyatt says she's noticed two notable trends. One is resealable packs. As much as
1: resealable packaging isn't necessarily new, snacking really gravitated towards it over the last year to 20. 24 months. Um, and consumers are loving it because of the fact, number one, sustainability. Number two, um, several uses, you know, multiple, pleasing multiple consumers in your home, whether they want to take it and eat it right then or put it into a baggie and take it away. There's just a lot that the relit seal packaging provides. And the other one well, that I wanted to note are the tens. So, um, I actually carry around a 10 of of not of uh sorry of mints and so I carry around that 10 of mints with me because it doesn't get um it doesn't break it's durable it's fun um and it is definitely back to the need for
0: sustainability, it kind of fuels that as well. We've covered a lot of ground in this week's podcast, but why it says there are three major takeaways that companies competing in this quickly evolving snack space need to think about. Number one would
1: be develop and enhance your channel strategy and zeroing in on e commerce to gain a larger share of the seven year opportunity that exists. Um, the other one, I, another one that I would do is holistic health. Embrace the activities with retailers to deliver on consumer needs. Then I would also say take personalization to the next level and capture consumer attention with one-on-one tactics. And then the last one that I want to mention is innovate in and out of the category to increase sales in and out of traditional channels because we spent a lot of time talking about how snacks are available everywhere. So really innovating in and out of the category can include you know, ingredients, um, packaging, and anything in between.
0: Hopefully, all of this will help those of you who are heading to the Sweets and Snacks Expo in Chicago next week more easily navigate the snack side of the event. And if you want to know more while you're there, be sure to check out Wyatt's session on the state of the snack industry at 9.30 in the morning on May 23rd. With that, I want to thank you all for listening to another episode of Food Navigator USA's Soup to Nuts podcast. I hope you'll join me again next week. Until then, this is Elizabeth Crawford wishing you a profitable and productive week.